This is our dear, dear friend, part of our leadership team, Sonia Waters. We love her so much. And so let's just stretch, let's stretch forth our hands to Sonia. Pray. She's doing our building stone today on We Value. Here at The Well, We Value Freedom. So she's going to talk about the interior life a little bit. And, um, of course, Sonia helps facilitate Turnkey, which is our, our type of sozo, our inner healing ministry here. So, so excited for this. So, Lord, thank you for our dear friend and sister, Sonia, Lord. I just cover her today, Lord, as she speaks and shares, Lord. We bless her. We open our ears to hear, Lord. We want to be healthy here at the well, Lord, body, soul, and spirit. We are on a journey, Lord, and you're taking us from glory to glory, strength to strength. So I pray, strengthen us in our inner man. Kingdom rise today within us. God rise within us. Don't just come down, come up. Come up in us today. We bless, we bless the activity. I just sense there's going to be a lot of uh, action, interaction in this place from heaven today. And I invite angels to be here to aid as Sonia speaks um, to do what we can't make happen as humans. We invite angelic beings who are the aids of God Almighty to even rewire things. And any falsehood, we want a fortress of truth. Hear me, spirit realm. We want the well to be a fortress of truth and love. So we open our hearts and receive in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. Whoa. Hi. <clears throat> How many of you feel like there's already so much going on you can hardly handle more? Like, there's so much going on. There is a lot of movement. I mean, what Marvin was just praying out, there's a lot of movement happening right now, and I hope to just step into what God's already doing and um, facilitate more. <laughs> but there's a lot going on. So freedom is a foundational stone at the well because it's a foundational part of your identity. You are meant to be free. I am meant to be free. Sadly, we don't have a lot to measure freedom by because we're born into chaos and we're born into a, a battle. But if we go back to Genesis 1, 2, and 3, we can see, well, the first few sentences of 3, we can see what we're meant to be. When we pray, kingdom of God come, will of God be done on earth as it is in heaven, our lives were meant to look like the garden and we don't want to stop anywhere short of that. As much, as many years of, us, of our lives we've lived the opposite of that, don't give up. Um, a lot of this morning is going to be testimony-based, which makes me a little self-conscious because I'm going to say me a lot. But my friend Michelle, my powerful friend Michelle Menon, came to me with her anointed hands and said, Jesus is the hero of our testimonies. He's the, the hero of our story. So if you are hearing a lot of Sonia, it's because I'm just the only, the only character I intimately know in my story. And I believe that, that the Lord gave me this testimony in the nick of time for this message. And he wants to release um, a, a, a bit more freedom for you. But I'm believing for a lot more than just what come through my testimony. I'm believing because I've already seen, we've already seen testimonies of deliverance and healing and salvation this morning. 
Um, I've seen the Lord sovereignly moving among us, and there's deliverance already going on sovereignly. I'm like, oh, good, I'm so off the hook. So, okay. So Marvin already pretty much prayed this, but I want you to kind of pay attention to what's going on in you, in you this morning. What's gone on through the worship that you've been part of as I just teach through a little bit of the word and share my testimony. Pay attention to what's happening inside you because um, the Lord stirs us, right? But we can't, don't pay attention to me, don't pay attention to your neighbor. Pay attention to what's happening because this is a private time between you and the Lord. And um, I want you to, I, I want to take us through just, um, it's going to be an activation at the end, but also an invitation right now. So if you would just close your eyes one more time. And we're going to invite um, the Father to release the spirit of truth. Holy Spirit, you are the spirit of truth. And I ask you, Father, that you would let us encounter the spirit of truth. Because the knowledge, intimate, knowing, experiential knowledge of the truth through the spirit of truth and the person of Jesus will set us free. Come, Holy Spirit. We need to be free. We need, I need you to be free. You need me to free, be free. You need each other to be free because we're involved in a kingdom purpose. It's not just so we can be happy and comfortable and um, have options because freedom is about options and choices. It's because we are involved in an epic story and all of our Individual testimonies fit together as pieces of the puzzle because there's a bigger purpose. We fit together, and I need you to be free because then you can run in your story with the Lord. But let's look at what freedom looks like because it actually looks like something. <clears throat> okay, we're warming up the clicker. Is that all good? Good. Technology working. It looks like something. This is from Genesis 1 through 3. I can't teach through it because I don't have time, but just you can trust me or you can go check in Genesis 1 through 3 at the end and just dig out what their lives look like. And I just made a quick list of what freedom looks like so we can kind of take a little inventory this morning. Um, free people reflect God's image. Clearly, they were, we were created in God's image. Free people are meant to reflect God's image. So I'm just going to say me because it's a little more personal. But when I am free, if you look at me, you're going to see what God looks like. Free people look like God. Free people have authority. When free people see something in the earth or in your life or in my life that doesn't align with the kingdom of God and created identity and value and purpose, they realign it with the authority that they have in the person of Jesus from their intimacy with Jesus. Free people expand God's kingdom when they show up. When a free person comes into the room, a person truly free comes into the room, God's kingdom is expanded. Miracles, signs, and wonders are released. Free people live, oh, yeah, expansion, the word expansion. We expand the kingdom of God. Adam and Eve were said, um, God gave Adam the command to uh, fill the earth and multiply. It's expansion. We are to multiply the kingdom, expand his territory. Pay attention to my slides here that I worked so hard on. Free people live from a place of abundance. They are confident. I am, when I am free, I am confident that that is settled. God will supply all my needs. Free people have purpose. They live with a general sense of meaning and purpose. Uh, God gave Adam and Eve meaningful and productive work. It doesn't have to come from work, but whether I'm changing a diaper or changing the world, 
it's purposeful. Free people see themselves as part of a community. They know that they carry one piece of the puzzle. They know that their puzzle fits with your puzzle piece, and they see each other's puzzle pieces. And you're resonating with that because God is saying this everywhere, whereas Lacey's not here. That we see each other's puzzle piece and we view ourselves continually in every category of our lives, work and school and neighborhood and church life and home and, you know, all, all of it is community. We're part of a community. We don't have a giant piece of the puzzle, but we also don't have no piece of the puzzle. We're part of a community. We have free people have healthy boundaries. This is a big one and it's sort of foundational to what I'm focusing on in freedom today, that when um, God put Adam in the garden first, he put him in an abundant place where he was free to eat of any tree of the garden freely. He used the word freely. But he said if you eat from the, um, the one in the middle, the one of the two in the middle, the knowledge of, tree of the knowledge of good and evil, you will die. He didn't say you can't. He just said if you do, these are the consequences. When he did that, he put... He, he invented freedom. <laughs> well, he is freedom. But because freedom has to do with choices. If you don't have any choice, you don't have freedom. So the garden was created as an abundant place with a choice which determined and defined freedom. Am I slipping around here? Is this okay? Okay. So that translates to when we are free, we have healthy boundaries. We allow God to say yes to us, and we allow God to say no to us, and we protect those boundaries. And, and what's going on here? Is this okay? Are you guys hearing me okay? Is there yeah. anything funky going on? So it's just in my ear. Okay, yeah. thank you. Um, so when we protect our yeses and nos, according to what God has called us to, we're protecting God's image in us, and, uh, and we stay humble and we have healthy boundaries. Free people have peaceful relationships. They are characterized by peace. Of course, there are moments, right? But we honor each other's differences like they did in the garden, but we share the work of the kingdom and have mutual respect for each other. Free people enjoy continual connection with God. And when I say God, I mean Father as a person of the Trinity, Jesus as a person of the Trinity, Holy Spirit as a person of the Trinity, and we connect with each of them in different, different times and different ways continually in conversation, um, free people have access to God, joy in, his, joy in obeying him, sensitivity to his leaning, conversation, worship. Galatians says, it is for freedom that Christ set us free. I read that, I'm like, what the heck does that even mean? It's like, it's so, it's so meaningful and important to the Lord. He's defining it by itself. Like, the purpose of your freedom is so you can live in freedom. <laughs> And basically what he's saying is, I give you choices, I want you to have choices. I want you to make choices and be powerful, and when you make them, according to my boundaries, you will be free. But you are free to make the bad ones as well. So we know, jumping to, to Genesis 3 and Eve's interaction with the serpent, that um, the serpent, serpent was crafty, and he engaged Eve in a conversation where he just lied about God. And Eve caught on to it and said, oh, no, 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 God didn't say you can't eat from any of these trees. He said you can eat from any of them, but not the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, and don't even touch it or you'll surely die. And so there is a little crack in the door. What is it? What was the little crack in the door? 
She added to it, yeah. She added to He didn't say, don't touch it. So she didn't probably know the truth yet. She heard the truth. Like, she heard God say that, or Adam told her. I don't know how that worked. But um, she didn't really know. She didn't know, no, no. Because she's like, ooh, there's some scariness here. I can't even touch this tree. So she misquoted um, God. The serpent is a liar. He lied about God. She was ignorant. She didn't know the truth. They both misquoted God, but that, once that door is cracked open by us, it's legal for the enemy, who is an opportunist, to sneak in and do whatever he wants. So we give him legal access. Sometimes we know it, and we're blatantly in rebellion, and sometimes we don't know it because we're ignorant, or we've forgotten, or whatever, but it's always our choice because we are free and we are powerful. So... She believed a lie, as Bill Johnson says. She believed a lie and handed her power over, empowered the liar. So I want you to just, in your heart, admit that this is what I heard the Lord say over and over. I want you to admit you're vulnerable to deception. That was the phrase he used. We're vulnerable to deception. We, we have weaknesses that will allow us to believe something that is actually a lie. And the tricky thing about that is it feels real. <laughs> When we believe a lie, we actually carry it in us experientially as if it's true, and it's not. So let's just tell the Father, we just know that we're vulnerable to deception, so we give you permission to come as the light of the world and expose where we've been deceived. So when this happens and we agree with deception, chomp the fruit of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, um, a great exchange is made. So real quick. When deception comes, there's, a, this, there's, there's an exchange for all these things and more that I didn't list. Um, and bondage looks like this. I'm just going to blow through these. Lost identity. Instead of authority, we have powerlessness. We're victims. We're manipulated or we manipulate others. Instead of expanding God's kingdom, prisoners are easily influenced by the kingdom of darkness. Instead of abundance, we adopt a poverty mindset. We either have lack or we fear lack. Instead of purpose, prisoners exchange purpose for a sense of futility, aimlessness, striving for nothing. Instead of community, we are, um, prisoners uh, live in isolation. That's where this orphan spirit thing comes, rejection, loneliness. Instead of healthy boundaries, we actually don't let the Lord say no to us, and we live in rebellion. And rebellion can be um, subtle. I know mine is, because I'm a good girl. I know better. So if I'm going to be in rebellion, it's not because I'm going to be like <clears throat> about it. I'm not going to be marching in the streets. This can be really subtle. Not, God's not going to, you know, I'm not going to let God tell me how to live that little area. <clears throat> Instead of peaceful relationships, prisoners in, um, experience strife and resistance in their relationships. Unforgiveness is a big one here. Bitterness, blame shifting, competition, jealousy. I mean, we could all make a very long list here. And instead of connection with God, prisoners experience a distance from God, whether it's real or perceived. We get sin conscious. We get introspective. We're ruled by shame, and we no longer run. Sally gave a word earlier. Your wife disappeared. She gave a word earlier about running to God instead of running from him, but prisoners run from God and hide. Okay, this, all of this deception stuff causes a general feeling of anxiety. So if you have a general anxiety, depression, sort of like this 
torment in your mind, a lot of it is caused by just living in this contrast. We know where we want to be. We just can't get there in these areas of bondage. There are some choices that are easy, but when I'm talking about when we need freedom, these are the ones that feel like they're out of our control. I would know. I would know. And this is where part one of uh, my testimony is, is going to kick in because part one is the bondage part. And I, um, I want to make Jesus, Jesus is the hero here. You may not hear that in the first part. Um, so I've got to give you a little context. I'll try, I'm trying to make it as efficient as I can. Um, but growing up and even way into adulthood, like four children, I'm way into adulthood, I had zero understanding of what I, identity meant. I read a little book on it in my 30s or so and about the ident- identity in Christ. And it sounded wah, 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 wah. I could not get it. I had no conceptual idea of what it was. I had no practical understanding of who I was in Christ. It meant nothing to me. So in the year that I I decided to follow Jesus and give my life to him, and uh, it was 1978, and that same year that I did that, we moved to Colorado, and I found myself in the mountains, breathing that air, hiking, outdoor life, skiing, camping, the whole deal. And so even though now I had Jesus, I also had, um, it was a setup for, for taking on a false identity because I didn't, it was in a vacuum. I adopted the wrong identity. So for the next 30 years, longer than some of you have lived, I have identified so closely with the land, the air, the lifestyle of the outdoor mountain thing, it became my identity. And then in 2006, grown adult, four kids, we moved there. And I am weeping with joy. Oh, my goodness finally get to do this life that I know that I was born for. But it wasn't a week before I would sit in my house and look out the window at this amazing full mountain with snow on the top. I mean, it was idyllic. And realize how not that person I was able to be. I mean, when you have four children, you have laundry to do. And you have to cook meals, unfortunately. And I homeschooled on top of that. And my back hurt all the time. I'd put on a lightweight backpack and my neck would cramp up. And I felt deeply, not just, I thought it was surface discontentment. It was deep because it was identity related. Deep discontentment, frustration, self-pity, and jealousy for all the moms I did see who were that person that I thought I was. Well, on the positive side, I did know Jesus and I had a passion for seeing people saved. So as I was forging new friendships, I would just tell them about Jesus which is great, except for the inside of me was not working. I felt like an out-of-place orphan, and I was confused and lacked joy in any kind of permanent way. And actually, they seemed to have their lives really together, and it was working for them. And they were doing all the stuff I dreamed of doing with their kids, and their families were long. I mean, like, this is the life except you hate Jesus. And they were actually, and several of them were involved in very dark spiritual practices, which I will not go into, but never seen anything before or after, and their lives are working better than mine. So for these two plus years that we lived in Colorado, a lie started sinking in, and I gave it so much time, it took deep root. And it went something like this. I imagine, I actually think there's more involved here, but so far what the Lord has showed me is that um, I had a a very specific lie. Where did I put it? Um, As a Christian, I have nothing to offer people. My faith isn't powerful in my life or attracted to non-believers. My way of coping with life, which was Jesus, isn't any more effective than theirs. 
Now, I didn't know Holy Spirit. That would have made a lot of difference. I knew of him. I just didn't know him. So my, my faith is ineffective. Jesus isn't making a difference in me, and it's not making a difference for them. So I just, for two plus years, I've been living this out, unconsciously not challenging it and just seeing evidence of nobody moving toward Jesus because of my life. I'm just seeing evidence of it, and it's, it's reinforcing this lie over and over and over. So it's growing deep roots. Then, for the last 11 years, current, this is current now, for the last 11 years, we've been going back there twice a year. Every time that I go back, I go to prison. What am I doing here? There's no purpose. I don't get to do what I want to do. And I have no impact on people for the kingdom. And I've reinforced it over and over. And I'll tell you, I'm a mess. Ask my husband. Ask my family. My kids think I'm crazy. They think I'm normal until we go to Colorado. And I'm serious. Like, it's so bad. And some of you have ministered to me in this. And I've tried everything. And nothing works. You know, I, I stay in this bondage. In between, I'm fine and growing and getting healthier and getting free. And then I hit this. That's bondage. That's what I'm talking about. It's a cycle. It can be a cycle of sin. It can be a cycle of depression. It can be a whatever cycle you feel stuck in. Um, and they make us feel helpless. But we're powerful, right? The garden. Because what's true and what's been true all along, no matter how I've felt, how I've acted, what I've choose to believe, the unchallenged things and the, cha- and the things I've gone after in prayer and I need help out of this, what's true is this. Jesus, to the Jews who had believed him, to Sonia, who had believed him. I believed him. I believed him. I was his follower. To Sonia, who had believed him, to you who had believed him, Jesus said, if you hold on to my teaching, you really are my disciples. Then you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. This has always been true. It's true right now. If you're on the testimony side of your bondage or if you're on the bondage side of your bondage, this is the truth. This is real. Do you see the process and the future telling here? Okay. I'm going to read this over you. If you are feeling a little sleepy or like you need to move around, it's too much of my voice, I want you to get this in your spirit. So I've kind of been in your head probably... If you need to stand up, move around, stretch, do it, because I want you to be awake for this. I'm going to read this over you. If you want to close your eyes, if you want to read along, that's fine. I would recommend going home and reading Romans 6 in its entirety to know the truth. But I'm going to read this over, over you, especially in those areas where you feel stuck. The truth is, sin is a dethroned monarch. So you must no longer give it an opportunity to rule over your life, controlling how you live and compelling you to obey its desires and cravings. Remember this, sin will not conquer you, for God already has. You are not, but wait, there's more. You are not governed by law, but governed by the reign of the grace of God. Don't you realize that grace frees you to choose your own master? But choose carefully. For you surrender yourself to become a servant, bound to the one you choose to obey. Now, when my wonderful husband would tell me this kind of truth in my bondage, I didn't feel like I had a choice at all. I'm like, if I could help it, I wouldn't be like this. That's a good indicator of bondage. But thankfully, we've already seen God sovereignly move this morning when when it's time, when we're ready, when everything is orchestrated to be complete. He is the one that sets us free. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. And our knowledge of him is a, has a, is a sovereign partnership. 
Knowledge of the truth is a sovereign partnership. We have a choice. He gets to reveal and open our eyes. It, it's a mystery. I don't know how it's timed, but I think it's really good news that I've been in this particular bondage for 13 years, and three weeks ago, God gave me freedom. Yeah. It's good for you because my testimony is for you this morning because he's the hero, and this is his character and his nature. Also, I was sensing so strongly during worship, especially whenever you guys lined up with testimonies, that was powerful yes. because it just shows us we're in this season where God is doing a lot more, very accelerated, very dramatic, very sovereignly. So let's, I want you to get your expectations up that you can borrow any piece or you can add to this testimony to apply to yourself. This is for you. This is for your freedom. So part two, and I, this is like so much detail, so I, I hope that this communicates quickly. Um, so in June, we, end of June, 1st of July, we just got back from our, um, our 22nd trip to Colorado. It should be the joy of my life. I've always wanted, I've always loved the mountains. Why is that not a joy? Because every time I go, I'm in prison. But leading up to it, I'm good. I'm looking forward to it. I'm excited about it. Until I land in the Denver airport, and I fly because I get so darn grumpy and mean that my husband finds $100 in our very small <laughs> bank account to fly me out. So I get to fly while they drive all through the Midwest. It's um, a grace. So I'm good, and I take that day that they're traveling, and I'm at home, and I'm just with Jesus, and I'm like enjoying my freedom. I land in the Denver airport. I'm not kidding you. It felt like prison bars. Boom. 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 Like, no. What? Nothing changed except for I landed here. I'm excited for this. What? 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 I don't know. So this, um, so I'm in my prison for the first few days. My daughter comes with several of her spirit-filled powerful friends. My powerful Nate is there. My powerful husband is there. And everybody's happy. And I'm in prison just trying to bite my tongue. And we're at our favorite barbecue restaurant in Aspen. And um, we have a waiter, a young waiter. His name is Tucker, we learned. He's a college student, and he's a great kid. I had a stinky attitude toward him. He was irritating to me. Everybody else loved him because I'm in prison. And so um, John, he left, the, he left our table after chatting. John's like, let's see what the Lord wants to say. Let's try and ask the Lord for a word, and let's encourage him. So he comes back, and my powerful family and my daughter's friends are just like, blessing him, and they've got pictures and words. And I'm like, okay, clearly my perspective is off. I'll just bite my tongue and just be nice. And I really did enjoy the conversation. It was powerful. Obviously, the Lord was at work. We really talked for a long time. We learned he has, um, well, he's a believer, for one, at a crossroads in his faith, so he was really receiving all these words and was so powerful. And I was okay, sidelined, because I knew what was going on a little bit. And um, we learned that he had mutual friends because he's a worship leader and we know a bunch of worshipers in the valley and so we connected on that and um, said but oh and then I have to say we go in the summertime because we have a memorial hike for Matthew. Matthew passed six years ago we spread his ashes in a lake in the mountain and we hike to do a memorial hike up to the, um, that site every year. It's a great hike we invite all kinds of people open invitation you're all invited at any time um, June, June 26th every year. But anyway, we worship at the trailhead. We, we fellowship on the way up. We worship at the top and share powerful testimonies. And it's 
amazing every time. That's amazing every time. So we invited Tucker, our waiter, on the hike. And since he knew some of the people that were going already, the mutual friends, he's like, yeah, I'll be there. We didn't exchange numbers. We just told him where to be and went. So after that, 30, for the next 36 hours, we ran into Tucker four times all over the valley, on the highway, rolled down the window, Tucker! I mean, it was like, what? It was crazy unusual. The, we all were like, what is God doing? Concluding, well, Tucker's going to get wrecked on this hike, and it's going to be awesome. But Tucker didn't show up for the hike. And then we left so soon after that and hadn't exchanged numbers that we didn't see him again. But on the hike, our mutual, one of our mutual friends mentioned his last name, Tucker Lamping. And I went, what? Tucker Lamping? So 13 years ago, when we lived there, our first friends were the Lampings. And Tucker was Matthew's age, the one that's in heaven. And they took us in, and she was the mom doing, like, all the mountain things, raising her kids in the mountains and doing all the outdoor things, and it was glorious. And she was an atheist, and she was exploring Buddhism, and I loved her so much, but we had, like, everything in common that I loved, but not Jesus. And um, so it was like, what? He didn't show up on the hike. What's the point of all this? There's unmined purpose here. So on the way home, I reach out to Don in a text. I do drive home with my family because by then I'm free again. <laughs> so we're driving home, and I reach out to Don in a text. And I said, I don't know if you remember me. My name is Sonia. We homeschooled for a little bit, and I, we just ran into Tucker. It was crazy. And she says, my atheist, Buddhist pursuing friend says, wow, yes, God has been doing amazing work in all of us. How are you and your family? 13 years later. Of course I remember you and thank God for using you to reach me so long ago. I am so glad to hear you talk, clap because I'm like, are they going to get this? Because this was huge for me. <laughs> you never know. Communication is tricky. Yes. Oh my goodness. It's amazing. She got so, so this is her story. We talked for two hours in the car on the way home, catching up, but she didn't know about Matthew, like everything. The knowledge of the truth was about to set me free. So she tells me her testimony. She comes, she, we had a little homeschool event at our house. We're making cookies for prisoners. And she, uh, I had another, we had another friend over who did know the Lord. And we were just talking about her faith, like what she believed. She was an atheist and she's exploring this and exposing her kids to all the origin stories and myths and all that. And, um, and we were just listening. She said she had a real bad impression of Christians and um, and we were the first people that just asked her what she believed and what she thought. And she's super intelligent, had lots of interesting thoughts. And I barely remember this, barely. So she was saying after that, she went home and she was going to give Jesus a try. She's trying it all. But when she went to talk to him about that, she realized she had to be on her knees. She drops to her knees. And she knows in, from just a revelation from heaven that she can't give Jesus a try. She has to be all in. So she goes all in. Her husband married an atheist. She's a little nervous about this, but he was raised a Christian. He came to Jesus right away with so much excitement. They raised their kids in the Lord, and Tucker is now at a Christian university as a worship leader, and she quotes me, something I said that was minor. I don't even remember saying it. Every time she tells her testimony. Come on, Jesus. Sometimes we wonder, Michelle said to me early, she had a word for me earlier um, today, and she said, Jesus is this, like the hero of our story. I was thinking during worship, like, 
Wonder Woman, what a great movie. All the, all the superhero movies, but think of how epically long and painful the battles are before the victory comes. Like, why does God wait so long? I don't know. I don't. I, of course, I have choices that are affecting this, but I don't know why he waits so long. But what I'm here to say is when it happens, it's real. It's so and it's the knowledge of the truth that'll set us free. It's our partnership. So let me make sure. Oh, before we know Christ, we don't have this option. When we know Christ, we have the option. But it isn't automatic. He doesn't force us into freedom. But we have the option. It's a process. As we get to know the truth, the truth will set you free. So what God handed me, he gave me more information. It was truth in the form of more information. It was like a little seed. And he handed it to me. And that seed is just a seed. I may or may not be free right away. But for me, I know this is true for me in this story. My soil is good. That's, my, that's the soil of my heart. Is that the soil of your heart? You have good soil? Raise your hand if you have good soil. If your heart is good soil, raise your hand. If you don't feel like you have good soil in your heart, Jesus can take care of that right now. And I want you to interact with him in a minute about that, if you don't feel like your heart is good soil. But I believe that we have good soil when Jesus lives there. And he put it there. Now I get to nurture. I get to receive. I want to know what's happening over here. I can't wait to hear. Um, I feel like I need to invite you up to share testimony, which if we have time... Um, so uh, I get to choose now what I do because I lived with a 13-year-old lie that was the, really the core of my identity, which is a pretty deep thing. We can believe lies that affect us a little bit. That was a, that was a series of lies that affected a lot of who I am for a lot of years. So I get to let the seed grow, and I get to protect it, and that looks like practicing it. It was just God's grace to me to, make, to give me this assignment right now because I had to practice this over and over and every time. I cry. Like, what did you just do? I don't necessarily know that I'm free yet. I know that I have the option to be free now, and I get to partner with it, and that's an active choice. You guys celebrate. I feel like you're celebrating my victory right now. And I, I feel it's so weird. I was going to start with this, and I forgot because God was doing so much, but um, I'm, gonna, I'm going to... Just insert this right here. I'm so thankful to be part of a body that's just a little body of believers that are going through life together, that empower each other. Michelle Menon, you don't have to be empowered by a leader here. You are empowered. You matter. Your voice matters. We want to hear from you. We want to know who you are and what you carry. Benjamin, we love you. And we welcome you, and I'm welcomed here in all of my mess to get up here and talk on a Sunday morning. Like, that's it's the nature of this church, right? It's power. So I'm thankful. So if the, my friends would come up that I asked to help this morning, um, and they're going to be ready to minister, but first, the Holy Spirit is ready to minister. So if you would close your eyes. And I'm going to lead you just through some um, questions that I want you to ask, whisper out loud, say out loud. I want you to do it like if it's under your breath, that's fine, but I want you to do it out loud um, because we are going to ask him questions and we expect him to answer. Before we go, it's 1143, which means in two minutes, if you have children, 
You can excuse yourself to get them, and you're welcome to bring them back in here. We can handle chaos. It's okay. But please do that to honor our workers. So we're going to ask him. I'm going to make a declaration over you, and then we're going to ask him a question that I want you to repeat out loud, and I want you to receive the answer. When we're listening to the Lord on a specific question, um, just respond to the first thing you, that comes to you, if it's a picture or a, a phrase or a thought or a scripture, just respond to it as if it's God. If it's not God, he'll clear that up. He's bigger. He wants you to know the truth. Don't second guess. Don't second guess. Okay, I'm, gonna, I'm just going to declare some stuff. The light of the world is here to expose any lies that have enslaved us. He has come to set the captives free. And I proclaim liberty for captives and freedom for prisoners in agreement with him this morning. I declare that it will be easy to let go of unforgiveness and to receive the truth. It will be easy to let go of lies. You will see them as untrue and it will be easy to receive the truth. Sin is a dethroned monarch and the resulting chains of hopelessness and depression are right now in the past. They have no power to hold you in bondage any longer in Jesus' name. You have a calling, a higher purpose, and you are needed for this hour. Receive the light of the world and the truth that will set you free. Spirit of truth, we give you permission to move. Light of the world, we give you permission to expose. So repeat after me if you would. Holy Spirit, am I believing any lies about myself, about you, or about my circumstances? Now just listen. I'll shut up, but you just receive the first thing. If you need to write it down, write it down, but we're pausing for everybody. introspect or analyze. We're just going to take what he re uh, revealed, and if it's nothing, it's okay. And we're going to make a choice, a powerful choice. It changes the course of our life. We're going to disagree with that lie. The thing that felt true, we're going to say, no, I agree with you. That's not true. So I'll lead you through some wording. Thank you for revealing a lie. And you can repeat. I disagree with that lie right now. I agree with you that I have been blind to the truth. And I choose to renounce it now, in Jesus, the lie now, in Jesus' name. Holy Spirit, what truth do you want to exchange for this lie?
when God gives us the truth, then we partner. Take that seed. You can look at it. You can put it in the good soil of your heart. But let's first, out loud, agree with it. Holy Spirit, thank you for speaking the truth. I forgot to say, if there's something you don't understand about what he said or a picture he showed you or a word he gave you, just keep asking him questions. Um, yeah, you can just ask him, what do you mean by that? Why am I seeing a red balloon floating up to the, you know, whatever. Um, you don't have to understand it. Don't take it and run away from him. Take it and keep drawing near. So I agree with you. This is the truth, and you might want to just say it out loud and rehearse it. So, Father, I just seal the simple truths that you are releasing to people right now that are so much more powerful than they appear at face value. I pray that you would seal what you have done, what you have said, and what you are in the middle of doing, that you would continue it, that you would remind us of the seed that you've handed us of truth, that holds the power, everything in that seed of truth has the DNA of an oak of righteousness in it, and that you get to make it grow, but we get to protect it. So I pray for new instructions, Holy Spirit, on how to partner with the truth. And that you would cause these um, seeds to germinate, sprout, and grow deep roots. And I just thank you that you replace neuropathways, that you replace damaged emotions, that you replace old habitual thoughts and responses and reactions with the truth. So I pray that we would know this particular truth that you want us to know right now experientially and intimately and that freedom would be released. And I want to invite you up front. These are um, really precise, surgically trained people in ministry in a, of a particular kind. And if you want to continue the encounter with the spirit of truth just come on up um, let them know what's going on if you felt like you wanted to hear something and you didn't that's okay um, but if you want to continue sometimes it helps to have somebody working with you on that so you are excused um, but if you'd like to come up I would encourage you to take advantage of this of these beautiful people so bless you